Welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow podcast, which seeks to offer glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. I'm Will Shine. I will be your host today for the podcast. Uh, and today's guest is my good friend, all the way in NYC, Seth Little. Seth, how are you doing? I'm great. Glad to be with you, Will. Yes, yes. Uh, always, always good to be together. We've we've been chatting uh, off and on now for the last couple of weeks as we've been getting ready to go for this. And I know we, uh, I think we have some interesting things to talk about that I think will be uh, uh, ear ticklers for our and and mind uh, stimulators and other <laughs> things that I'll I'll stop there with for uh, our listeners for this podcast. But again, thanks for joining us. And uh, with that in mind, Seth. Uh, I guess the floor is yours. If you could just tell us a little bit about uh, your background uh, as a creative, first and foremost, and uh, maybe you can describe a little bit of uh, your professional experiences uh, to date as it, it relates to uh, our conversation, which will which will kind of hinge on the usual the usual uh, topic of the glimpses of the kingdom of God and uh, visions of, of of heaven on earth as as you've experienced them and seen them. But again, let's let's learn a little bit more about you, Seth, uh, and your what what's what you brought you to here today. Okay, cool. Um, well, uh, I, um, I I I grew up in the South in church and with music teacher parents, and so kind of unsurprisingly found myself um after college after doing a music degree i found myself working in churches doing music and um leading congregational song making a few uh small records and um and have been formed sort of in this liminal space between a pop music career <laughs> that i probably dreamed of and uh, and really always being employed by churches. <clears throat> um, I studied uh, music production in uh, at a contemporary music school and and really didn't um, do well. Didn't take much to traditional music and um, the choral work that my parents had had uh, emphasized growing up. So I, I've always kind of had this real contemporary bent. And so I've served in um, non-denominational churches in Boston and in California, and then for the last four years have been in an Episcopal church, sort of an evangelical Episcopal congregation in Manhattan's Upper West Side called All Angels Church. And, um, and the post here is, um, it's includes music leading in the church and organizing an arts ministry that's a little bit broader than music itself, than ju just music or congregational music. Mm -hmm. I'm not called a worship leader in the Episcopal church. That's for the priests. And, uh, and so I, instead I'm, you know, getting to do a, a bit broader work than I'd done in non-denominational context, but um, yeah, you know this, but I in kind of in the middle there went to seminary and that's where I met you, Will and um, and sort of broadened my vision for what this work could look like. And so mm. that's why this post is a bit of a break from the previous 12 years. Wow. And um, yeah, I, I think I am formed and, and sort of identify as both uh, a musician and an artist. Mm -hmm. 
and as a pastor. Okay. And I see my vocation being very much both of those things together. Right. Um, and so, and I, and I think there is a common link between them that is, is creative, but yet the product of the creative output is sort of a hybrid, or at least it's, it falls into categories okay. oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that enough intro for you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the thorough and concise, uh, encyclopedic, uh, Seth little entry right there. That was pretty awesome. Now <laughs> you, you, uh, you, uh, uh, it wasn't part of the question per se, but you also are a family man. Obviously you've been, you've been married for a, a good number of years now and <laughs> yeah. you have three children in tow. Um, you have done, uh, uh, all of these, a lot of these things that you mentioned <laughs> all the while, uh, Pro propagating a family <laughs> so, <laughs> that's uh that that is an impressive feat in and of itself uh, especially you know as you mentioned in the middle of all that going back to school and going to seminary ac across the country because like you mentioned i think you're from the southeast uh yeah that's right and then you uh yeah i met you in pasadena california and so i know that's a <laughs> that's a that's a big uh, uh change and i and and you mentioned being in boston and going to a, a contemporary music school, which if our listeners are familiar with the geography and contemporary music schools in the Boston area, while there are conservatories that are also prestigious, you're the school you went to may or may not rhyme with Schmirkly. And so uh, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, that's like where all the, if you're a musician, you know, that's kind of where all the 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 aces go, the, uh, the ringers. And so uh, especially, uh, I think when you would have been enrolled in the uh, early mid 2000s, right? And so- there were some um, ringers definitely some ringers there um and so yeah you you definitely sound it sounds like you know you just had this and i can identify with this you come from this really saturated musical background that that firmly has you planted in 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 what i think from the outside looks like two distinctive worlds it looks mm -hmm. like you've got church music and then like you I, I i love that your line you know dreams or aspirations of this pop music career but always employed by the church <laughs> uh yeah i dude yes that is the isn't isn't that the life uh, <laughs> uh I, I don't know yeah maybe maybe not a loss but maybe uh, maybe something great in that yeah maybe not a loss um but <clears throat> it, it's so uh as i I, I would share too for our listeners. I came to know you not just because we had classes together, but because you were very intentional about getting to know me. You invited me out to tacos uh, on one uh, sunny Southern California afternoon, and uh, and just uh, were so interested in in what I had been doing and where I'd come from, and 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 uh, we've I think we found a lot of points of resonance and synergy in our conversation, yeah. and, and we've been we've been friends and kind of invested at some level in each other's uh, life and work since. And that's been that's been really cool. Um, I know uh, while you were also in LA, you were a production kind of uh, director for a, a, a church. Right. And uh, I guess employing some of the skills you had picked up in your undergraduate career, but uh, not as much of a front man. And I know you did a project, a capstone project, Fuller Seminary, uh, the program that you were part of had a, a capstone year, right? Uh, yeah, where you had the uh, ability to uh, kind of come up with some sort of creative mm -hmm. endeavor. And even in the midst of that, you you managed to feature and uh, 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 celebrate the works of other people. And I, I was honored to get to participate in that uh, in some sort of improvised uh, uh, musical creation. That was pretty cool. 
but yeah, yeah. And I, I know that you very seriously are looking at um, intersections of, of art and theology, uh, right. art and worship ministry and practice, but also um, kind of breaking down barriers that, that I've at least alluded to in previous episodes of this podcast about um, secularity. And what is sacred and, and what what role um, the arts and or music in particular plays in in navigating or mitigating or diminishing some of those, uh, so, you know, apparent barriers. And mm -hmm. so uh, with, with that in mind, um, in your work now at All Angels Episcopal Church, um, again, so funny, our, our paths have like crossed. I started in the Episcopal <laughs> Church and now kind of with this other group, but... Um, uh, how have you seen um how, how have you seen that uh transpire the 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 arts as a mitigating agent in the midst of you know uh this year has been crazy we've had a pandemic there's been we've talked mm -hmm. about a little bit there's been this major uh racial reckoning in in our country and and certainly around the world in a lot of ways and then uh you've alluded to in our previous conversations that there's been some just some various crises in your own sort of congregation and community. How have you seen the arts uh, and or your creative background be um, useful is too plain of a word, I guess, but <laughs> be, uh, how have you uh, leveraged your, your background as an, an arts minded and creative person in that space and in the midst of those uh, happenings? Wow. Big question. <clears throat> well, I'll say, um, First of all, I, I'm fortunate to be in a congregation that has a long history appreciating the arts and celebrating artists and, and the arts. As an Episcopal church, you know, we have, um, we're a liturgical congregation, so we follow the church calendar. We have um, various bits of inherited liturgy that, that we rehearse together in worship. And so there's a, there's a template and a format there, both from our denomination, our tradition, but also in this unique, this specific congregation. Um, being in New York City, there's a ton of art around, tons of incredible artists and um, performers and and creative minds. So it's it's been to to claim too much credit would be a real danger here because mm -hmm. there's just incredible wealth, you know, that I've come into mm -hmm. in this post, but. Um, some things that, that stand out to me as just critical um, functions for art generally in this parish and, and I think at this time, a baseline is that I just can't overstate the value of singing together. Mm. And of course, that's something that most churches affirm in, in a worship context. I think on this side of seminary and this side of uh, on in this particular role at, at All Angels, I've been here four years. Um, I've just come to recognize the power of song wow. in a way that I didn't before, like wow. singing together um, is a powerful act and it's fundamentally, you know, creative and artistic because it's, it's not, it's not necessarily rational, you know, it scratches something, it touches something that's, that's deeper and harder to, to name and identify, but yet similar to some of the, the resources of the Anglican tradition of which we're a part um, that say, you know, we come together not around common 
dogma or doctrine as much as through common practice, hmm. um, gathering around the Lord's table, praying together. You know, Anglicans have a book of common prayer. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's there you can't you can't um, overstate how powerful that is in a world of difference. Wow. To say wow. I I don't have to to believe the same thing as my neighbor if I can be united to them in these actions. Wow. And I think song is one of those actions. So um, that's incredible. I mean, listeners might remember a, a few interviews back. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing our mutual friend, September Penn, another oh, yeah. Fuller alum. And she literally started an organization called The Power of Song uh, <laughs> that I had a, you know, have, have been a part of. And, and it's wow, just such a such a parallel there between your you know what you what you're saying is almost verbatim the essence of of her work and and she she alluded to that as well i mean that that seems to be a a common theme amongst people who are um at least practicing on some level as worship leader or mm -hmm. minister of music or in congregational life uh that there's a sense in which there's tremendous significance and it, like you said it can't be overstated the uh the um the power and potential of of communal practice mm -hmm. as as mitigating whatever whether it's differences or or going through the ebbs and flows of life uh yeah that's that's really cool um i i don't mean to to interrupt what you were about to continue to say but that just i couldn't let that pass without reminding our listeners and if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to september's interview you will you will certainly uh hear the 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 parallels there as well um so yeah that, cool. man, that's that's awesome talking about um di dive into that a little bit you know given your your background not in the episcopal church and given your background i know you i i also know you to be a, a tremendous guitar player great singer like you said you you've done some recordings in the past you come from a world that um that's that certainly celebrates uh the application of music mm -hmm. for the sake of the church Right. Uh, you also have dipped into the world that celebrates music for the sake of music. Um, mm -hmm. Have in looking back, can you think of times where you were you were aware of as you are now that that music might somehow be some sort of unifying or mitigating agent um, that was going to bring people together in a, in a way that was helpful to promoting unity or uh, working through, like, again, these differences, yeah. whatever they may be. Yeah. Um, well, I can give you, I, what comes to mind when you ask that is in our particular congregation, we, we happen to be in a place, I've told you offline that um, we have our fourth senior leader in place in, in as many years. So wow. it's a, it's a time of, um, I think it's fair to say crisis, even though I don't know that everyone would feel a crisis, but it's a pandemic year as well. So, you right. know, I think we're all to some degree familiar with crisis. Um, <clears throat> but this, this parish has had um, two worship services on a Sunday, a 10 a.m. and a 5 p.m. for a long time. And the 10 a.m. is traditionally associated with um, what the Episcopal Diocese considers, I, I forget the length, principal service, like there's got to be according to diocesan or like canon law, you know, you have to have a certain service that, 
that fulfills the just the duty of being an Episcopal congregation yeah. as the Eucharist and you know whatnot. Our 10 a.m. service has traditionally um, fulfilled that, and so 5 p.m. has been freed up to be a little more creative, and um, it's also been linked with um, with our formal ministry to the poor, to our neighbors experiencing homelessness and addiction, mental illness. <clears throat> you know, kind of extreme crises. Sure. And so it ends up being a very welcoming um, space. And part of that is by sort of flexing a bit on what our, our denominational commitments are in terms of liturgy. So these, these two services end up having very distinct characters and the people that participate in them can understandably become a little territorial. And, um, and so it ends up feeling at times like we're two churches under one name. Mm. And I found that um, we even sing different songs, like in the Episcopal liturgy, you know, there's, there's settings, um, certain, certain songs that lyrics that are the same, that just turn up every week and you traditionally sing them. Well, we've got different musical settings for 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. services. Wow. So like the doxology has one setting in the morning, has a different setting in the night. You know, the music is different. And 5 p.m. is usually a little more, a little rowdier, more gospel inflected, um, a lot louder. Um, frankly, it's a good bit more fun, probably. <laughs> but uh, actually, just um, in the pandemic, we've been, we've collapsed those two services into one uh, by necessity. When we went virtual, like so many congregations a year and, and a quarter ago, we, um, we only continued with a 10 a.m. time slot. And we, you know, learned how to slap cameras on things and yeah. broadcast it over the internet to our community. Well, then it gave us a chance to start, you know, singing the same songs together. Mm. Um, it, it sort of collapsed our repertoire as well. Mm. And I think what that's done, <clears throat> I mean, the proof I guess has yet to be seen because we're, we're one of these churches that is just starting to, to get back into any kind of physical in-person gathering still sure. in one service. But in other words, we're not out of it yet. You know, right. it'll remain to be seen, but I think what it's done is given us an opportunity to dig a bit deeper than we have even before the pandemic and, um, and sort of start to address these, this common identity mm -hmm. as a community that feels at times like two communities within um, one and one entity. Wow. And I think similarly, stylistically, our, our morning service has drawn more from a, a musical canon, uh, that is uses the Episcopal hymn book. It, it will draw from, you know, the Hillsong Bethel passion kind of contemporary canon. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also some folky, liturgical music which there's a trend towards that a lot of original settings from our congregation are we've got songwriters we've had songwriters in the church and so we sing a lot of music that was written or arranged by our own folks cool but the evening service puts quite a bit of um i like to joke put a bit of english on it you okay. know like a, uh, i guess that's a pool metaphor but it tends to be you know jazz and gospel inflected for yeah. everything and so Practically speaking, not every musician can play that stuff. Yeah. And so to there's just all kinds of challenges. But then um, 
what that also brings up is questions of race and ethnicity and how that plays out in the worshiping life of this church. And how, and of course that goes deep fast. And in a year that's not just marked by a pandemic, but by a a reckoning around race and racism in this country, since the killing of George Floyd a year ago, um, you know, our congregation has had to dig deep. And, and I think the, the way that we have been able to address music making together in worship, but I can talk about this in a minute, but not only in worship has given us some resources for discussion, for reflection, and even just to do something that's maybe, maybe a little deeper than just thinking and talking, but like actually doing stuff together that, that points us towards uh, a vision that's truly reconciled. Yeah. Singing a song together is, is sort of a social contract, right? It's an agreement. Now we're going, yeah. now we're going to do this, but you know, uh, personally having lived in different parts of the world and, and you can speak to this too, being in different parts of the country or wherever else you've been, people might approach that same text or tune or whatever the case may be with a very different vibe or different feel or a different (laughs) understanding of how what is normal you know i found that to be uh quite a challenge as uh, when i found myself in in different contexts uh over the years um i do this song this way even something Mm -hmm. as simple as isolating to a song i do this song well we do this song this way and then finding i Finding a middle ground sometimes that compromise can be just as much of a problem as as acquiescing to one of these you know um, preferences, and that can come back to like a stylistic thing. Something is tried as a stylistic thing to like again the availability of who's there to do this thing this way uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that that fits within our sort of cultural matrix. You know what I mean <laughs> of of who we are and trying to become. It, it there isn't I don't know, and then you can speak to this too. It sounds like you've you've uh, maybe come closer to it with with the things that you guys have been doing together, but I don't know that there is a um, a, a middle ground in in such uh, in such uh, efforts. You know that you you can. I love doing hybrid musical sort of numbers where you're bringing different sort of musical traditions together and smashing them together. That I've found can be just as upsetting to people again as yeah. as is. Uh, as is, uh, you know, just leaning into one or the other, and and I think people often, um, especially you know, lay people in a church who just want to participate or are coming, they come with inherent whether it's biases or preferences that they may not even realize that's their normal, and that's mm-hmm. fine, you know. But uh, as someone in your position in a in such a diverse place like uh, you know New York City. Uh, I imagine that that's a struggle. So yeah, you you mentioned that there's something to kind of unpack there more, maybe beyond just uh, congregational worship and what sounds like some some maybe some positive strides toward this uh, kind of maybe hybrid may not be the right word or compromise might not be the right word, but some sense of uh, uh, acquiescence or communal yeah uh, bringing uh, things uh, together, bringing it together and agreeing and 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 letting things shine maybe letting them be in the light for a while. I know that um, when, again, alluding back to September's in our interview, she does Sounds of the Civil Rights as a production. That's a very specific music that has a specific mm-hmm. sound. Someone who's coming to that anew should not expect to hear that 
or experience of those things in any other way than maybe how they're intended. Um, and or maybe there is room on the back end for some dialogue, even if it's not a conversation, but some sort of musical dialogue or reinterpretation. And that adds to the power and the efficacy of the, the music, right? Uh, uh, or its potential as it as it speaks to us. But there is mm. some something to be said for, and it sounds like, again, your congregation has made room for this, to just experiencing that thing as someone else experiences it or imagines it or sees it. And, and and letting that be valuable. Talk more about again, maybe maybe if I'm off or or in the ballpark of what you were saying there, and then and then talk about this other sort of it sounds like another artistic venture yeah, okay. that that and maybe how that relates to what we were just talking about. Well, I, let me zoom back for just a minute, rewind sure. to to being at Fuller. You alluded to that capstone project that um that I did at Fuller and then also and roped you into it very happily. Um, I remember before, so the idea for that capstone project for me was to, was to try and, and extend what was considered a, appropriate um, artistic, I don't know, endeavor within the church. Hmm. So I, what I perceived was in, in my particular congregation, which was, more or less uh, falls in the vein of, of sort of American, North American, evangelical, non-denominational charismaticism. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you, if those who know that no churches can probably get an idea of what that is, you know, semi mega church kind of high technical production value. My role in that church was, was um, director of production. And, um, and the, and this is a, a, a criticism as much as an observation as an insider. You know, I was participating right. in that and um, very liturgical I, I, in its own way. You, you It you, totally you, is. Totally yeah. is. It's just a unique, it's its own style of it. And um, I realized what we perceived as, as what was fitting for church music and church aesthetics, church art mm. was a pretty narrow thing. It, it had to do with, um, with music in a, in a, a sort of congregational setting that, had ideally sort of a medium tempo, lots of pad and low lighting <laughs> and, and was meant to sort of set this ambiance for us to encounter God. Mm. And so every time you engage with music, it's meant to be a setting for you to encounter God. So we would even use the word worship as a substitute for music, yes. you know, yeah. which I think is pretty common. But I realized if we could just expand that two clicks <laughs> we'd be doing ourselves a favor, you know, because sure. we're, because art is obviously a gift to, to humanity and we all engage in, you know, music alone. We have music over dinner and music at a concert and music for, you know, dancing at a wedding. And, you know, we, we know that there are different uses of music, sure. different applications, but yet in church, we, we'd reduced it so much. I, I perceived Mm. into something that really didn't didn't do honor to the gift that music is to to humans and to christians yeah and um and so what i tried to do is just set up some experiment to just push that envelope a little bit and to do it in a church space and so we set out you know high quality snacks with fresh flowers and tablecloths in in a church space that usually has you know paper goods and um, folding chairs. And, um, and then I had you and Andre Henry, um, 
come and play music and then to actually try and write a song in front of us and let us participate you know it's just what it was doing is breaking the norm breaking the mold was what i hoped it would do and we could see uh, can this be sacred can this be something that's mm -hmm. that's appropriate and fitting for for christians for the church to engage in and i can't say how successful that was but what i was getting at was i think later on i realized is a cultural bent a cultural sort of um default and and uh and my desire was for us to have sort of a cultural openness mm. um and so fast forward to when i came to all angels and i started playing you know these fairly standard gospel tunes that i'd heard maybe it wasn't an idiom that i was especially familiar with but started to learn to play them and and either the tempo was just too fast or the not not for me to like get it under my fingers that was a different challenge <laughs> but um but just like i struggled to feel like i was worshiping you mm. know and i realized my cultural assumption mm. is that worship feels different than this and yet you know i can i i can think of um my friend Eric Bailey, who's a black man who grew up in a black church that that sings, you know, different repertoire of music, probably much more like what I'm singing now. And uh, and he's like, I just can't get into this, you know, this music at the church where, you know, we were singing all this other stuff that yeah. I think is more of a white, white, um, contemporary charismatic cultural default. Sure. And and I was like, this is these are cultural conflicts. Yeah. And so I've um, I've thought there's there's much to probe there in a local congregation and here at all angels i think we're poised to explore that some um so cool that you have that that uh that that that's part of your initiative part of your job you know that you see that as a as a vocation and it is what occupies your time is is probing that so many people probing uh yeah probing yeah uh, <laughs> really the right is. kind of probing. uh yeah <laughs> so many people imagine um they get hired in a in a role like such and they just they just jump into the square peg you know mm. this is this is my this is my thing this is what i either from the sort of more egocentrical this is what i bring to the table this is how we're going to do it because this is my way um and or they they fall under the guise or the leadership of someone uh maybe hard to call it leadership but they fall under this sort of authoritar authoritarian uh, sort of person who says this is the way it ought to be done or they have this whether it's a, just limited vocabulary or limited imagination for what yeah imagination be. there is no there's no probing there is there is only doing this thing because this is the right way mm -hmm. and and uh, it sounds like it sounds like not only have you maybe not settled on a right way but the right way for you is not so much about the content it's about um it is about the 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 exploration. The right way is to explore. The right way is to uh, is to cultivate an openness and uh, and experiences that are fresh and new. Uh, not necessarily always unfamiliar, mm -hmm. but uh, certainly uh, cultivating an openness to that. As uh, as I'm sure you've seen the fruits of that uh, that that labor, and at least in some capacity, you know, in yeah. what you're doing now. Totally. Uh, and and I, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. And I think probe is probably an accurate word, whether it's a medical probe or a probe into <laughs> deep space. It's uncomfortable and risky and awkward, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's exploring the edges and sort of um, I, I actually think there's something about discomfort that may be more authentic to 
the inbreaking kingdom of God mm. than comfort. You know, wow. there's something about being on the edge in these liminal spaces that looks a lot more, um, feels a lot more organic to the life of faith. It's like as if we read the Beatitudes and sort of, you know, took them seriously. You know, it, <laughs> I love uh, Eugene Peterson's message. You know, it says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You know, you're blessed when it's all this exactly crappy stuff. You know, it's, it's none of this. You know, <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus is saying all these things that are, like you said, very uncomfortable. You know, um, that's when I think you you kind of uh, not that you've earned blessing at that point, but that you sort of walk into your blessedness or, uh, recognize, um, your blessedness. It gives you appreciations for s some things and new things growth. Uh, if, if nothing else yeah. bring, brings, brings that growth. There's another word I want to, th that was so awesome. And so rich, I really enjoyed that bit that we got into there. Um, there's another word you mentioned that seemed like something we could kind of explore a little bit more too. And again, um, I think something might have gotten lost in my previously long-winded question uh, <laughs> as it related to not just recently, you did go back a ways, but even as in a, as your younger self, your conception of, of music as an aesthetic tool or as an aesthetic thing, mm -hmm. uh, how has that evolved? You know, uh, when I think of aesthetic, I think of it as being... Um, uh, well, aesthetic is such a succinct word, right? That describes, you know, that, that it is what it is. But I think of uh, a lot of people's experiences. My, my, the, the, what's behind this question is I think a lot of people's experiences in the world today uh, give music an aesthetic assignment. You know, it's for eating dinner too. It's for, there is a music, you can literally go on Spotify or whatever these other platforms are <laughs> and find mood musics or musics for oh, right. certain kinds of activities uh, as an aesthetic accompaniment you know, to that thing. Um, I wonder how, how much your perspective has evolved about music as an aesthetic thing mm. or an aesthetic accompaniment, uh, or as music as a more substantive, um, not just tool, but thing in and of itself. Um, uh, I guess the fancy word, and maybe this is too fancy and too physics-y for us now, but like is ontology, you know what I mean? It's like, music in, in its ontological sense. This is something that I'm certainly interested in, but you've kind of alluded to that, I think, when you talk about the power of song. Mm -hmm. That to me seems about like, and September and I talked about it before, resonance, actual frequencies, doing something. Um, that may not be where you want to go with it, and that's that's fine, but music beyond just a, an aesthetic referent, but music mm -hmm. is, and the experience of music. How has that uh, evolved or changed in your experiences from when you started as a younger man, you know, whether it was in church or doing recordings or whatnot. And how is that like transformed now? Because it sounds like based on what we've been talking about, that there is some sense of uh, your conceptions of music and your your engagement in music has evolved and changed yeah. over time. Yeah, um, I, I've I have two the thoughts. Art. Sorry, the arts in general, if you will, because I know you do more than music. You also have some visual artistic chops. It's probably good to to focus in. <laughs> I have two thoughts here, and one of them is going to seem like it's a, it's a divergent, but I think, broadly speaking, I've come to relax on music as ontologically and, and sort of focus on music's, um, I, I, I'm curious if I'm interested in that term, aesthetic assignment mm -hmm. that you said. 
but I, I do think about its use congregationally, like or the role that it plays, because that that's sort of my pastoral side and my right, you know, musical side kind of working together. But what I what I will say is there's mystery involved in in music ontologically speaking there's in all the arts the aesthetic dimension is is something that extends beyond our rational faculties can can grasp and yet it's essential we need that you know we need to engage with beauty and and with emotion and sort of raw interaction with aesthetics in a way that doesn't just um that doesn't isn't satisfied with criticism and um, but moves into contemplation. Hmm. And at the same time, I think contemplation isn't the only, the only sort of appropriate use of, or the only approach to arts. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Walterstorff has a great book on this called art in action that you may have read. Uh, he just sort of pushes against the idea of, of um, aesthetic contemplation as, as the only, like role of the arts, you know, music in the concert hall, art in the gallery, et cetera. To be perceived um, and, and interested yeah, meditated and, on. Meditated upon. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. And I think those things are good, but it's not the whole story. Right. But what I will say as well, I think there's one of the important things that the aesthetic contemplation offers in the religious life, and it's especially good for evangelicals like me who and I, I use that term kind of suspiciously you know knowing sure. <laughs> that it's, it's got lots of baggage now but I think in the robust yeah. sense the fuller you know sense sure um the rich Mao sense <laughs> it's, um uh, I, I say that I am an evangelical we need a healthy dose of, dose of mystery you know to to understand of humility to understand that we cannot get our heads around all of life and all that there is, you know, the ontology of, of things ultimately is beyond our grasp being sure. belongs to God, you know? Sure. And so I, I think there's, there's, there's something that music itself that just transcends our understanding. Yeah. And, and so one of the reasons we sing together is because it is more than what we can understand in its power you know, sure. which points to all kinds of mysteries in life. Yeah, and I think that's definitely. really healthy. But I also think about music as community, community making yeah. all the time and, right. and, lit and literally bridging divides. So I can, you know, we can have a room together uh, of people that have all kinds of different backgrounds, homed and homeless, people that live uptown and downtown in the boroughs, people that, that have incredible, you know, powerful, roles in society and people that are that are really not sure about their next meal um literate and illiterate side by side and that literally happens in our church it, which is really beautiful really challenging when you look up close with it but it's sure. really beautiful but we can sing together and are truly united in that song yeah and i think in the in the midst of the pandemic so this is sort of the second half of my answer and what i meant to get to earlier I'm really proud of something that we did um, once the church was all remote and we, we were down to this sort of um, skeleton crew coming into the church building on Sundays. And we would, you know, the, the priest and, and myself and maybe two other people 
would point cameras, you know, strum a guitar, sing a song, preach a sermon, and just do our best to hold it together for the sake of the church that may or may not be tuning in via right. Facebook Live. Yeah. yeah. And um, that quickly, I, I was dissatisfied with that very quickly because it, I think at the end of the day, I just don't believe that the church staff is the church, you know? Yeah. So how can we meaningfully bring more people in? And like many others, we realized, oh, well, we can, we can use, you know, videos and let people record themselves reading the scripture or offering a prayer. And we can pipe that into the same feed, but um, you'll appreciate this. I was like, wait a second. Several of our volunteer musicians have logic and pro tools and an interface. Yeah. Let's start recording multi-track songs, you know, from our bedrooms and, and I can mix them together and we can sing to those on Sunday and I can pop, you know, photos on the screen of who's playing. And so we developed this pattern of, of recording, I don't know, the majority of our songs for a given Sunday, the week before together apart. Wow. And it was this, it was this profound thing. It was, you know, none of it's like record ready and, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to impress too many folks in terms of it's, it's just raw aesthetic quality, but we made something together and we did it genuinely together remotely. And then we offered it to the community and it, it was both generated by the community and participated in at multiple levels by the community, the church mm -hmm. community. And I got to say, it's one of the things I'm proudest of from the last year, probably, I don't know, catalog of 60, 70 songs, produced and, wow. and offered to the church. That's substantial. It's a lot. And it was something that was really beautiful. And we got to, through that process, dig into, you know, what catalog are we drawing from? Is it yeah. 10 a.m. or 5 p.m.? Is it, yeah. you know, yeah. okay. traditionally white music? Is it traditionally, is it traditional, traditional music like hymnody or handle? Or is it, uh, you know, a new canon? Is it primarily music from the gospel traditions? And, um, the music of the black church or, you know, what, where are we on this? And it helped a conversation to move forward. And I think it's poised us better now to, um, to do some really good work on this side of the pandemic. Wow. Wow. Making room for, for all of that and, and incorporating the input. Imagine that a church, you know, that, that incorporated its people into the process of leading itself, you know, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and imagining things together. Right. You, you opened it, you opened up a conversation on in, in multiple ways, right? It's a literal conversation, but you've opened up this sort of, you know, artistic dimension to that conversation as well, where people's input and maybe more telling input is offered as well. This yeah. Is really yeah. More where I, significant really where I'm at, you know, they often say that of artists, right? You know, you get, you talk, you meet an awkward artist at a party or something, and you would never know that they've painted, you know, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, you meet Vincent Van Gogh and something and you're like, whoa, you know, and then, and then you see what, he, and it's like, this is this outpouring of some sense of self, or at least experience or vision of the world as it is, or as it could be. And yes. I think you got that. I mean, man, that's, that's so beautiful. I can't say how refreshing that sounds because I've certainly been guilty of a, as a church staff member in the past of, of again, coming with particular vision and or trying to like doing too much heavy lifting, whether just myself or, or expecting that staff or leader quote leadership ought to be the ones, you know, guiding and piloting and, and, and doing all these, making these determinations and, 
that the you know the nuisance of volunteer <laughs> you know what i mean or like <laughs> I, I can do this better or you know what i mean what a what a terrible hubris or terrible uh you know complex to deal with so counterintuitive to the the essence of what a church is and such a shame mm -hmm. uh, and i i can't speak of this too authoritatively but i think you've had experiences and i certainly at least perceive that there exists so many you know so-called churches or you know congregations where where people play such a small role in the in mm -hmm. the in the um in the life and the the manufacturing of what is substance in that in that church whether it's yeah. or otherwise um which again seems so counterproductive or counterintuitive to the project of a church you know that you have the, the landing or the launching pad or the landing point whatever we both of 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 aesthetic things like the arts or or of the, the practices of music or prayer uh it, it lends itself to people that those are inroads of participation people might have those skills or if they don't they can still they still have the opportunity to come to those things and offer something and i think that's so uh to me that's refreshing a refreshing glimpse of of what church life is and and how it is it's not the goal it sounds like the goal in all this to you too was not to create something uh, uh if such a thing even exists objectively exquisite or like mm -hmm. or or uh you were trying to reinvent the wheel or do something new this was this was for the people it was all it, it always was it's, it was it was for god in in worship perhaps you know yeah but it was it was it was for the people to to have means and ways to engage in that and do that um uh, how, yeah, again, what a, what a refreshing and enriching notion and, and maybe rescuing at least, and even just now, as we're talking, rescuing in some ways in my own mind about what, what the church is even there to do to begin with, you know, this is not mm -hmm. a, this is not a, we, we, it gets talked about, it gets thrown around the jargon. It, I'm not here to perform. This is not a spectacle, you know what I mean? <laughs> like worship leader types and then they proceed to do exactly that you know what i mean <laughs> and and involve sure nobody <laughs> involve nobody or rely on on no uh no probing no no investment no you know rely on none of those things and proceed to to do exactly the thing that they're supposedly not there to do um where in actuality it's like let's celebrate performance let's celebrate um this creativity let's lean into it let's see where it takes us the breadth of what is possible in the midst of that push and probe the envelope so that it might be more generative and more inclusive right. and more robust in, in terms of what we learn and experience together um so that it forms things yeah so much there that probably could be said additionally that, <laughs> uh, i don't want to uh um uh take you too long away from your weather responsibilities as father of 12 or i think it's three still but uh <laughs> Um, let me count. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, the, the exciting work that you're doing, but yeah, just as we, as we close up our conversation, uh, for this podcast episode, at least, um, uh, maybe you can just give us a, a, a particular story, you know, where you've seen, uh, you've alluded to some like general sort of instances or, or ideas and, and, and things as they've evolved for your congregation and your work um but maybe maybe share a, a particular story where you've seen this this glimpse of the kingdom of god at work or heaven on earth in the midst of the struggle in the midst of the the challenge and the discomfort um something that will uh, maybe inspire uh, our listeners today 
you, you kind of did in terms of the the, yeah. <laughs> the, the project uh, of, of involving people recording at home, things like this. Uh, in terms of people who aren't personally or physically engaging, um, you're just your average layperson who's who's not drumming for you, uh, a project you guys are working on or bringing this sort of musical feedback. Where is their feedback being heard or where is their engagement happening in the midst of all this? Where have you seen growth or challenge in 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 those folks' lives uh, as well as the people who maybe you more shepherd and pilot and help to help to work with, who are these other creatives, you know, bringing things to the table in that vein? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it, it raises the the ongoing kind of nagging question about feedback and how how effective are these sort of focus group projects for the sake of the whole mm. um and I, I wish i had more points of feedback there but i do think um you know it's been interesting to me to we we've maintained our services this last year through facebook live mostly mm -hmm. and um we found out that a majority of our congregation was on facebook so we just kind of focus in there late in the in the time we added youtube as well and as sort of two big platforms to reach people. But a function of the Facebook um, platform is that we could have live chatting with um, members of the of our parish who are worshiping with us Yeah, live. And so we tried to incorporate <clears throat> not only feedback, but like, you know, during a, a part of uh, Anglican worship includes the prayers of the people, which is supposed to be, you know, a chance for the congregation to offer their prayers. And so we would invite uh, those who are tuning in through Facebook to actually write down a prayer. Yeah. Um, they could pray it. They could write it as a request for others to pray and we could give feedback and have dialogue that way. And it was, um, <clears throat> it was an extension of the same idea of letting those who, who participate in our music teams who are volunteers um, do, you know, have their own voice added to this virtual worship experience this virtual gathering mm. and so the whole congregation was invited to do roughly the same thing through the chats in facebook and then i think a coolest some of the coolest like glimpses of how this was bearing fruit in the life of our church over the course of a year in sort of the darkness of you know pandemic isolation was came either through those chats or when I'd get an email, <laughs> you know, how you don't, you don't bump into someone in coffee hour when you're, you know, worshiping virtually, Yeah, I'd get an email from someone saying, thank you. Thank you for that song or thanks for this connection. Hmm. Um, we actually came back together in person at Easter outdoors in front of our church. We um, got a permit to close the city block and had held a worship service outside and, uh, and it was just amazing to see how many people were there and, and how enthusiastic they were. It was a cold Easter day. And um, I realized that we still have a sense of a community here. And wow. as I told you, you know, it's not because we have stable um, senior leadership right now. Our, our leaders are stable people, but, um, but we just have had a lot of transition in the last four years. And, uh, and then you'd think with, with that coupled with a global pandemic, coupled with a, a reckoning around race and racism, that there'd just be too much and people 
go by the wayside, you know, maybe too much strain. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not been the case. It's been, we've had a, a, a core group of people who continue to, to seem like they've found, um, they're part of a people together here. Wow. And I think, I think my role as an arts coordinator, you know, for this community serving the life of faith of this group of people, um, is validated just in the survival of this people, you know, wow. and it's flourishing. And that's Apparent the through line. Flourishing. I mean, that's the through line just through everything sort of that you've shared in our conversation today is just that those evidenced by the ways in which you all practice a liturgy, the work of the people, right? It is, it is that it is the work mm -hmm. so that you've had turnover in le senior leadership. It's not mattered because it didn't depend upon them to save the day or be superheroes at the front. Um, you're very much a facilitator, it sounds like, in your role as right. you, as you, and, and, and a, maybe a, a, an imagineer, right? You know, as Disney might say, right? <laughs> copyright infringement for that. Uh, yeah, uh, but oh like yeah, that, that you're, yeah, that you're helping people to imagine a, 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 what could be together and then letting them fill, color that in, basically, whether that's musically, artistically, or otherwise. That sounds like your role. What an exciting role. So, uh, so stoked for you as you uh, have just thrived there. In, in in New York City in the hustle and bustle. Uh I had the privilege of like getting off an airplane and grabbing a slice of pizza with you real quick and then immediately this <laughs> <laughs> is seeing seeing uh the the space in which you get to do some of this. That was so cool. Uh yeah, couldn't be couldn't be happy for you, uh, happier for you, Seth, and, and your family as you guys have really, I think, uh planted cool roots there. And again, doing doing a great work uh and and allowing people to do a great work and promoting mm. that great work wherever it wherever it leads uh, i love your curiosity your your interest uh and your 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 gifts as like a facilitator and as a as obviously like you said really definition of a good pastor i think um as that manifests so i guess as we close any any other projects or artistic uh offerings that you're working on right now that that we should be on the lookout for in in a virtual space or a physical space or otherwise uh that um uh, that might speak to some of the things you're reflecting on yeah actually uh we are trying to go back through some of those recordings from pandemic clean them up and make them available online through you know spotify apple music mainly for our own congregation to put a you know a raise the Ebenezer, so to speak, okay. the, the stake in the ground and say, look where we were. Yeah. But um, those hopefully will be available by the fall. It'll be fun. Cool. Cool. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye out for that and hopefully attach a link to your podcast and in, in time, wherever that lands. And uh, yeah, Seth, I, I can't thank you enough for, for agreeing to do this and spending time with me in this conversation. Um, yeah, Foreshadow is an online magazine featuring writing and other media that point to the kingdom of God. Our website is foreshadowmagazine.com, and we are on various social media platforms. If you liked this conversation, please share it with people that you think would be interested. Thanks, Seth, and thanks everyone for listening. That's the forecast for today.